Welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 107 of the podcast, your United States Open Championship Primer, which always happens to coincide with Father's Day. So for all the dads out there, happy Father's Day weekend. Enjoy yourself. We've got my man in Las Vegas, Brady Cannon, set to join us in just a few minutes. He's one of the best in the business as it comes to golf, so he's going to tell you who to play on, who to play against, as well as break down the course. The course this year being Shinnecock Hills in Southampton, New York. Temperatures look to be outstanding for the four-day run, ranging from 73 degrees to 78 degrees. It doesn't appear as if there's any Precipitation in the weather, 10% chance on two of the days, so we can go ahead and eliminate that from our mind at the moment, and low winds as well. So right now, it appears as if the elements will not be a major storyline at the U.S. Open. Now, for more, especially how to bet on the U.S. Open, let's go to the Las Vegas desert and turn it over to my man, Brady Cannon. Hey, Gilmore, you suck, you jackass. Why don't you shut the hell up? To the Las Vegas desert we go. You can find this next guy just about everywhere because he is one of the best in the business when it comes to golf. Right here on Covers.com, Wagertalk.com, on the Vegas Stats and Information Network known as VEASAN, one of my favorite spots in the entire country for sports betting information. And on Twitter, at Las Vegas Golfer, the man from AgainstTheNumber.com, Brady Cannon, joining us here on the Sharp 600. Dude. Dude, you have so much going on that, honestly, I could just say hello and goodbye, and that would probably make a 20-minute podcast. How you doing? I, I apologize. You know, you do a niche sport like golf, and, uh, you know, be, you become quite popular for everybody. If I was uh, concentrating on football, Joe, you know, probably that many people wouldn't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> well, I love what you have to say when it comes to football, because if I'm not mistaken, didn't you play a role in winning the Super Contest a few years yeah, back? Yeah, you know, our good buddy Gil Alexander likes to mention that. Uh, I was on with him on VEASAN this morning talking U.S. Open. He says, and oh, by the way, Brady also won a Super Contest. So golf and football, you know, I've uh, married my passions into a profession. All right. So let's jump into Shinnecock Hills. The 118th edition of the U.S. Open kicks off Thursday. Dustin Johnson is your eight to one favorite. Let's begin with the course, though. Shinnecock Hills. First time the Open has returned to this track since 2004 when Retief Goosen took down Phil Mickelson by two. Goosen won shooting four under. What should we expect from this course? How does it stack up against other U.S. Open tracks? Well, you know, I think Gil, or Gil, I'm sorry, Joe, I think they have finally gotten it right this year. Uh, the USGA has kind of moved past, you know, our, our father's U.S. Open, where it was, you know, pencil-thin fairways and ankle-deep rough, and, you know, like the Olympic Club there close to home to you, uh, and, you know, Webb Simpson and Jim Furyk and Jeff Maggart, and only the guys that could stripe it right down the middle uh, were winning these things uh, in recent history, and so they've kind of tried to, you know, cater to more of the modern golfer and widened the fairways a bit and tried some different things. And, you know, they've certainly had some hiccups. Uh, Chambers Bay in the Seattle area, they didn't get the rain and the greens were an absolute mess. Last year at Aaron Hills, uh, big wide open fairways and they never got the wind that, you know, blows there the other 361 days out of the year. And, and Brooks Kepka went on to uh, just tear the course apart and shoot 16 under. And, and that's not what they want for a U.S. Open. But this year, I, I think 
think they've been able to blend both styles. They've widened the fairways a little bit. It's got a very British Open, linksy look to it. Uh, but the fairways aren't going to be uh, extremely wide either. And you do have nasty rough bordering those fairways with that wispy fescue that looks like uh, what we see in the Open Championship across the pond. So I think they have a little bit of everything here at Shinnecock. It is absolutely one of the most storied golf courses in history. And uh, I'm thinking they're going to hit a home run this year. Different stats can tell the tale for different tournaments. Some tournaments, putting is obviously the most important. In other tournaments, you might need distance off the tee. It can vary. Obviously, all these skills are preferable when you play in the United States Open. But are there any specific stats or analytics that you track for this one particular event? Well, yes and no. And the no would be, like you say, you know, it's going to take a little bit of everything, uh, which is true of any major championship. You've got to be, you've got to have some length off of the tee. You've got to have some accuracy off the tee. You've got to be a good ball striker. You've got to hit greens in regulation. You've got to be, you know, not necessarily a good putter, but you've got to have a good week with the putter, and you've got to be able to scramble well. So, you know, that pretty much covers the the full game of golf. But uh, as far as the yes to your question, uh, I think when we dig deeper, we can look at some of the golf courses that uh, parallel Shinnecock, uh, where you can maybe find some crossover success. Pinehurst, number two, where they held the U.S. Open in 2014, is a similar-looking golf course. Shinnecock doesn't have the forest that, that Pinehurst does. In fact, they've removed a lot of the trees at Shinnecock, but... It's the same sandy beach-based look with a lot of runoff areas around the greens. And then you take a look at uh, Pebble Beach and Torrey Pines, both former U.S. Open venues that have Poana greens, which is the same surface we'll find this week at Shinnecock. And Pebble Beach specifically has smaller greens, too, uh, making greens hit and regulation important, and we'll also find that at Shinnecock. And then finally, you've got uh, Trinity Forest, which debuted this year at the Byron Nelson, uh, a core and Crenshaw design, and it's very much an American Lynx style track. Uh, core and Crenshaw also uh, were involved in the redo of Shinnecock, and it's not a full-blown redo, but uh, the tweaking, if you will, adding the length and, and all that good stuff. So some crossover there with the Lynxish style of Shinnecock and the two guys responsible for that, and then also Trinity Forest. So if you want to dive into guys that have done well at all those different venues, couple that with the statistics that we mentioned, and uh, I think you should find yourself a guy that fare, will, will fare well this week. You can't start a golf tournament analysis without Tiger Watch. Tiger Woods currently at 20-1 to 1 at the Westgate in Las Vegas. What do you make of the one of the all-time greats returns to this event? How legitimate of a contender is Tiger? Well, he appears very serious as he docked his yacht on the shore there, you know, and just made himself a, a home there off the coast of the golf course. Uh, that was pretty cool. But, you know, Tiger's been playing really well uh, from tee to green. His iron game has been very good. His uh, short game around the greens has been excellent. Uh, his putting really escaped him at the Memorial a couple weeks ago, but I think he can fix that. He's had some other weeks where he putted extremely well. So uh, the big question on his game is off the tee, and I know the fairways are wider in spots uh, on average uh, entirely uh, versus Shinnecock in 2004, so he'll have more room off the tee. But as this course dries out over the course of the weekend with the wind and the heat, uh, those fairways will become narrower because the 
ball will run off uh, into that wispy fescue. And, and if Tiger finds himself there all week, uh, I think you can forget about it. Uh, you know, there's a bet out there on Tiger to miss the cut at plus 300. And I hope he doesn't because we all love to watch Tiger in, context, uh, in contention. But if I had to make that bet, I think I would play him to miss the cut because, again, if he gets into that rough a few times, uh, that's at least a one-stroke penalty, Joe. Dustin Johnson is checking in at the as the 8-1 to one favorite. Now, generally, when I look at these odds going into the Masters, you might have a 10-1 to one and a few 12-1s to ones and then a few 14-1s. to ones. They're kind of clumped together. Dustin Johnson's 8-1. to one, I can't find anyone closer than 14 to 1. This feels like it's one of the bigger discrepancies I've seen at the top of the board. How hot is Dustin running these days? Well, he's really hot. Uh, you know, he won last week at the FedEx St. Jude Classic, and he looks to be really back on his game. The other thing about Johnson, I mentioned the correlation with Torrey Pines and uh, Pebble Beach. Well, Johnson has won Pebble Beach before and is just an absolute master there on those Poana Greens, finished second there this year. And he's really becoming a master at the U.S. Open. Uh, three out of the last four, he's finished top five, and one of those was a win at Oakmont. So he is certainly the deserved favorite, but I'm not in love with the number uh you know if he was maybe at 12 to 1 i think that's definitely worth a shot but when you're talking a major championship and you've got most of the top 100 players in the world here uh it's a pretty wide open test and i'm not in love with 8 to 1 the other thing if you believe in history no guy has ever won the week prior to the US Open and then gone on to win the championship so he's got go- uh, that going against him All right, I'm going to throw another name at you. It feels like every time we go into a major, I keep hearing the same thing out of Vegas. A lot of guys like Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's taking a ton of money. Ricky Fowler's taking a ton of tickets. I'm a Ricky Fowler fan. The guy's got a lot of charisma. But the reality is he's never cashed in in a major. How legitimate are his chances at Shinnecock? Yeah, I hear you. You know, and I think everybody's just betting the come line. You know, that major is going to come for him eventually, and I guess you want to have a ticket on him when it does. Um, It could be this week, uh, and I think the number on him is pretty decent if you can find him at 16, maybe 19 to 1. That's not too shabby. He does everything in the game well. He loves this golf course, and I think maybe the biggest factor, Joe, is the fact that he just got engaged last weekend. And we've seen this happen to players before. Sergio Garcia was married uh, not too long before he won the Masters, and it gives the golfer that peace of mind. We've seen players have their firstborn child before they go on to get a big win, which Danny Willett did. They call that the nappy factor. So, you know, marriage and, you know, life-changing moments like that, childbirth, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off these guys, and they realize that there's, you know, there's more joy out there in life than just that pressure on your shoulders of winning a major championship. So Ricky Fowler ought to be relaxed and have a smile on his face this week, and he ought to do well. I think maybe a good bet on Ricky Fowler is betting him in a first-round matchup because he should come out guns a-blazing. I know exactly what you're talking about. My first son was born a little over a year ago, and then two days later I bet the Patriots over the Falcons in the Super Bowl, and the Patriots came all the way back. But I was feeling <laughs> no pressure that day. <laughs> and look, your radio career has taken off uh, you know, after the birth of your firstborn as well. Yeah, that'll help when the Warriors just continue to win titles every single year. But I'm not sure if it's me that's the star attraction or the Warriors. We're still trying to sort through the data on that one. Well, you didn't pick a bad spot to uh, <laughs> yeah. enjoy some pretty good sports 
success. I love the Oakland A's, what they're doing, staying above 500 with, you know, just nothing on the payroll. Uh, the Giants are starting to show some life and uh, become a contender in the NL West. And, of course, uh, you know, the 49ers and the Raiders are a great story. And then there's those Golden State Warriors who many people think is the best team of all time. Look at you flexing all that versatility. I love it. Um, when we go into these tournaments – a lot of times, amateur bettors, people who do this recreationally, they're just looking for the golfers who might play well. There's a whole additional element to this equation, finding golfers who perform very poorly on these courses or in these events. Uh, kind of the opposite of horses for the course, for example. I remember one year making a little bundle on the Open Championship when Peter Hansen entered with a shoulder injury. But Hansen was only going to play because if he racked up a start, then he was going to keep his tour card, and there was a, a whole lot going on behind the scenes. But eventually he just with, withdrew after six or seven holes, and all those bets cashed. I'm not saying there's something as easy out here this time around, but there are there any golfers that might be bigger names that are just stayaways, uh, play against in this situation? Yeah, you know, first of all, you, you got to tread lightly, but I don't think Tiger Woods is a bad choice to to fade this week. Uh, this is going to be a very difficult golf course, and uh, you know we talked about his uh, inaccuracy off the tee. Um, we'll see how he fares. Uh, again, I'm rooting for him to do well, uh, but I don't. I think if you bet every prop bet you could find against Tiger at the end of the week, you'd probably come out ahead. The other guy I like to bet against in the U.S. Open is Bubba Watson. Uh, Watson is obviously a master's magician. He has won at Augusta twice. Uh, the way his style of play, the way he moves a ball in both directions and spins it and his creativity, it's really made for Augusta. But a U.S. Open, you have to be much more pinpoint, much more straightforward, much more controlled. And I don't think it is a creativity major, if you will, where Bubba really flourishes. In fact, in Pine, at uh, Pinehurst in 2014, which I mentioned is kind of a core related course, Bubba missed the cut there. So he would be a guy I'd look to uh, go against all week. Before we get to some of the guys that you might like, if I was going really deep down the board, a sleeper or two who could turn some heads, maybe find himself on that first page of the leaderboard come Sunday, any names come to mind? Well, you know, we always see that really in any major. You know, there's one kind of surprise. Uh, and at the U.S. Open, you know, it was always Jeff Maggard or Steve Stricker, you know, those shorter hitters that just stripe it right down the middle and they hang around all week. Uh, and you got to pick who that's going to be. Uh, and I've got three guys for you, and I'll go to Stricker again. Stricker has won twice this year on the Champions Tour, finished second twice and fifth the other time in the only events he's played. Also, if you look at his stats on the PGA Tour against the young guys, he matches up quite admirably. Uh, he has not missed a cut in the last 10 U.S. Opens he's played in, and he hasn't finished worse than 21st in the last five that he's entered. So Stricker is really you know, built for this type of championship, and you can find him at about 150 to 1. Uh, you might look at some prop bets with him to finish top 20, top 30, that type of thing. Another guy is Shane Lowry, who I've seen anywhere from 60 to 1 to 150 to 1. So some people, uh, some sharp bettors out there are taking a flyer uh, with Lowry. He's a great Lynx player, and uh, he has also had great success at Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach. Uh, he also finished second in the U.S. Open at Oakmont to Dustin Johnson in 2016. And finally, 
The other guy, the Argentinian, Emiliano Grillo. Uh, I've seen him anywhere from 100 to 125 to 1. He doesn't have massive length off the tee, but he's completely efficient in every area of his game. If you look at his stats across the board, there's not really a chink in his armor. He took third a couple weeks ago at Colonial, and Colonial is another course that I think demands some of the same skill sets you need at a U.S. Open. That's where Justin Rose won. Grillo took third. So uh, I think a pretty nice number on him at uh, 125 to 1 or so. All right, moment of truth. I'm not going to ask you to reveal all your tips and tricks for this weekend at Shinnecock Hills, but but if you were to give us a couple names that we should be keeping an eye on for futures bets as well as four-round matchup bets, what golfers would you suggest? I think... You know, Dustin Johnson is certainly a factor, and I would, uh, you know, I think him to finish top 10 is probably a pretty good bet. But I think my two favorite guys right now, considering price and the way they're playing and the way they check so many boxes this week, are Justin Rose and Brandon Grace, Joe. Justin Rose and Brandon Grace. I was just having a conversation with Ray Ratto, who you might know. I love Ray, man. He's about the funniest guy on Twitter there is. Right? So Ray's in here today, and he was filming in on the 10 to Noon show right after mine. And as I was waiting to have an opportunity to call you, Ray came out, and I was asking him who he liked in the U.S. Open, and that was the first name he threw at me. He said, you know, I don't follow it religiously, but I throw a couple bucks on Justin Rose. Yeah. Rose has been probably the best player in the world over the course of the last nine months. He's won multiple times. I mentioned he just won at Colonial, which, you know, has a lot of similarities to a classic U.S. Open type course. Of course, a gold medal winner. He won a U.S. Open before at Marion in 2013. Everything's going right for this guy. And not only is he long off the tee, but he's one of the straighter hitters off the tee as well. And that's a key ingredient that you're going to need this week. And the big difference for Justin Rose, while he has moved from like 15th in the world to number three in the world is his putter. That was always the Achilles heel for Justin Rose. You know, he couldn't get the putter going. He has moved all the way to number five on the PGA Tour in strokes gain putting. So he's dangerous when he's got that firing. Check him out everywhere. Start on Twitter at Las Vegas Golfer. Covers, Wager Talk, Playbook.com, VSIN, as well as AgainstTheNumber.com. Our man in Vegas, Brady Cannon, joining us here on the Sharp 600. Brady, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for the insights. Good luck this weekend. I appreciate you reaching out to me, Joe. Have fun with it. By the way, thanks for dressing up. Hey, if I saw myself in clothes like those, I'd have to kick my own ass. Fade Tiger Woods, boys and girls. That's what I've been trying to say since the beginning of the year. Look, I like Tiger Woods. I love rooting for him. But he is dramatically overvalued because so many people enjoy betting him, whether he's playing well or not. Big shout-out to Brady Cannon for joining us today and laying out the playbook for how to bet the 118th edition of the United States Open at Shinnecock Hills. Big shout-out to all of you for continuing to support this project. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you get a chance. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be well, and best of luck.